Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I've been wondering, would a tax on soda Mm -hmm. affect how you bought it, imbibed it, enjoyed it? Etc. I'm going to say no because a little insider secret mm-hmm. for our listeners: the office here at How Stuff Works contains many amenities, such as, well, really just the main one, <laughs> which is free soda. We have. I feel like I've mentioned the soda fridge before. Um, the famous, famous soda fridge. The famous How Stuff Works soda fridge uh, that does contain Tab mm. and Diet Root Beer. And not only Vault, but also Diet Vault. Vault? Vault. I don't think mm-hmm. I've heard of Vault in a long time. Or no, wait, I'm thinking of... I'm thinking of the other one that's green. Surge. Surge. I'm thinking of Surge, which is what I drank as a child all the time, and it probably stunted my growth. Hello, that's why I'm five foot two. I really wish that we that we stocked Surge. <laughs> we had some secret stock <laughs> of Surge, uh, but. This is really the only place that I drink soda. I avoid drinking it if I can. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a coffee gal. Um, and But every now and then, I will spring for a Diet Coke. Yeah, I, I'm also a coffee person. I actually quit drinking soft drinks, minus ginger ale when I'm sick, mm. uh, when I was a freshman in college because I read that soda contributed to breakouts. Not the greasy pizza or all the beer you're drinking all the time now or anything like that. I just quit soft drinks. I was like, oh, this is really going to help me not gain the freshman 15 and break out. Um, and yeah, it turns out soda soda does have some some interesting and, and uh, terrible side effects yeah, we, on our health. We've learned a lot about soda, and I'll just go ahead and warn folks right up front it's mostly bad news. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything in moderation, right? Like, you wouldn't want to eat a whole chocolate cake. I mean, I would, but you wouldn't do it because it's bad for you. Right. Not every day. So maybe if you... it's, I think it's okay, uh, basically, and I am getting a little ahead of myself, but I mean, I think it's okay to, to build in maybe one soft drink a day, especially if you're a multiple soft drink a day person and mm-hmm. you're trying to wean yourself yeah. down. You might give yourself, give yourself some headaches, but, you know. But... So anyway, back to the tax. You say that it would not affect your consumption, and that's because we have this magical fridge. Not everyone has a magic fridge, Kristen. I know. I count my blessings. But a new study out in January of this year, 2012, in Health Affairs, says that a tax on sugar-sweetened beverages, and they include not only soft drinks, but, you know, things like sports drinks and juice, uh, they think that a tax would reduce consumption by 15% among adults ages 25 to 64, which I think is a pretty huge chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and this news about this tax on over at Discovery News was what inspired this podcast because of statistics like this in the article that jumped out at me. This is using the coronary heart disease policy model, which is a computer simulated model developed to project future mortality, morbidity, and the cost of coronary heart disease. And with this tax using the model, they calculated that over a period uh, from 2010 to 2020, the tax could prevent 2.4 million diabetes cases. 
Yeah, diabetes person years, which I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up. What does it mean? Fair listeners, it means the sum of the number of years that each member of a study population has been under evaluation. And not only that, it includes 95,000 coronary heart events, 8,000 strokes, and 26,000 premature deaths for a sum total of 17 billion, that's with a B, in medical costs. Savings, right. And that's that's not small potatoes. And they're saying that all of this stuff, all of these these heart conditions, strokes, premature deaths, all of this could be avoided by just taxing soda and getting fewer people to drink it or people to drink less of it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I thought, well, that, maybe that's kind of stretching it. Does soda really have that big of an effect on people's lives and health? And it turns out, yeah, depending on how much you drink, it really can. Yeah, and also what I didn't realize is that according to a 2009 policy brief from the Yale University Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity, 33 states already have special sales taxes on soft drinks. But chances are they're so small that people don't really notice them. Yeah, and uh, this policy brief said that a 10% tax could result in about an 8% reduction in consumption with higher effects seen among quote-unquote heavy users. Um, and they kind of they argue that it's along the lines of taxes on cigarettes and alcohol. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Soda pop, cigarettes and alcohol. I mean, I know. are we talking apples and oranges Get your here? government off of my pantry. Yeah. I know. It's actually, it's, it's, it's comparable. Um, the government is already pretty involved in what we eat, as the Red Center's policy brief points out, from farm subsidies to setting nutritional standards for school meals. If, I mean, if you think about it, the government has a lot to do with what we eat right. all the time. Just flip over whatever, uh, I don't know, the closest box of food to you and see what number one ingredient is. It's probably high fructose corn syrup. Right. Or just corn. Thanks to so much corn. Food subsidies. Right. And as far as um, the health issues and comparing soda to cigarettes or alcohol, you know, there's no there's no secondhand soda intake. You know, if you're drinking your Diet Coke next to me, I'm not like, (coughs) (coughs) could you keep it down over there with your diet soda? Even though it sometimes gives me the burps. (laughs) Yes, that's the closest. Hopefully you would do the side blow (laughs) to get that away from me. Um, But Yale researchers actually did a meta-analysis of 88 studies and found that soda intake is associated with a lower intake of milk, calcium, and other nutrients with an increased risk of medical problems such as diabetes. They're not saying necessarily that the more soda you drink, the less calcium you will have in your body necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it is displacing other healthier beverages like milk and fortified orange juice. And instead... We are getting a lot of sugar. Yeah. And I know that this isn't uh, breaking news to anyone out there, but just to give it, get an idea of how much sugar we're get additional sugar we are ingesting thanks to soda. And this is, I think this includes diet and regular. The average teen boy gets about 15 teaspoons of refined sugar from soda every day. And the average teen girl gets a little bit less Girls tend to drink a little less soda than guys do, and uh, teen girls get about 10 teaspoons of sugar from soda every day. That makes up a huge chunk of not only the sugar, obviously, that, that kids are getting, but the calories. Well, I, it's, I think it's really kind of gross, actually, that uh, a majority of these sugary calories that kids are ingesting come from soda mm-hmm. and not the rest of the food they eat, <laughs> as it should be. Yeah, um, soda energy drinks 
and sports drinks make up 36% of all of the added sugar in our diets. And this is from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Yeah, and all other foods, that's in quotes, all other foods comes in second. So all the sugary drinks at 15% and fruit drinks follows at 11%. And I'm, I'm thinking that they differentiate between sugary drinks and fruit drinks because perhaps fruit drinks are actual like fruit juice, not those fruit cocktails you see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so speaking of young people, and, you know, I mentioned how uh, soda can kind of displace other healthier options in kids' diets. Uh, a 1996 USDA study found that drinking more soda was correlated with children of all ages consuming too little vitamin A, children younger than 12 consuming too little calcium, and children six and older con- uh, consuming too little magnesium. So not only are they getting uh, too few of the vitamins and minerals they need, but they're getting extra stuff like sugar and calories, and that can lead to some pretty bad things. And we're starting them so young. Right. Uh, and not surprisingly, over the long term, that this <laughs> soda intake does not have great impacts on our health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the empty calories are linked to weight gain, which is a risk factor for type 2 diabetes, which has been known typically as adult onset diabetes uh, as opposed to type 1. But it's now just becoming known as just plain old type 2 diabetes because they're finding it more and more in teens. Mm-hmm. Because the more fat and sugar that young people consume puts them at greater risk for this disease. So the answer then is to switch to diet, right? Because that's, you know, there are no calories in that. No, that's Mm. not the answer. No, uh, a June 2011 study from the University of Texas Health Science Center San Antonio showed that drinking diet soda is actually associated with a wider waistline. There are a couple reasons. I mean, it is there are some reasons that actually involve the soda itself. But some researchers have opined that perhaps some people who have kind of poor diets, maybe eat a lot of fast food and wash it down with a diet soda, feel like they're making up for the bad stuff in their diet. I think it's called calorie balancing. Right. Even though, I mean, depending on what, if you go and order, you know, a meal at McDonald's and then you get a Diet Coke, you're not balancing out that many calories. No. And, uh... I thought a really interesting way to think about diet soda and how it's not necessarily helping you is your brain really responds to sugary things, real sugar, as a reward. And the reward part of your brain lights up when you get sugar. And it's like, ooh, it's it's sugar time. It's dessert time. But when you get uh, artificial sweeteners like aspartame, for instance, your mouth can't tell a difference because it still tastes very sweet, but your brain can. And, and scientists have shown that the reward center of your brain doesn't light up the same mm-hmm. as if you get real sugar. And so your brain is sort of driving you to get more of that to fulfill that sweet desire. So even though it might be satisfactory on your tongue as it's going down that you're getting a little sweet sensation, your brain is saying, no, I need, I need, I need more of this. You start going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, exactly. And possibly as a result of diet sodas tripping up your brain like that, researcher Helen Hazuda has pointed out that diet soda might be free of calories but not of consequences. And she points to a study which found that diet soda drinkers had waist circumference increases 
70% greater than those of non-diet soda drinkers. Uh, and I believe this is among a sample population of 474 elderly people who were followed up over an average of 9.4 years. And those who drink at least two diet sodas a day had a waist circumference increases 500% greater than people who didn't drink any diet soda. I'm never drinking anything but water again. Well, so I- water and beer. And coffee. Okay. Yeah, I just... Anyway, uh, a second study in mice found that the artificial sweetener aspartame raises blood sugar uh, in mice prone to diabetes. So uh, one group of mice ate food with aspartame and corn oil, while the other group's food just had the corn oil in it. And after three months, the aspartame mice showed elevated fasting glucose levels, but equal or diminished insulin levels consistent with early declines in pancreatic beta cell function. And beta cells make insulin, the hormone that lowers blood sugar after a meal, and an imbalance leads to diabetes. So people are getting fatter and sicker drinking diet soda, Mm -hmm. is what it sounds like. Over, And this is over the long term. I mean, not to be completely scare-tactic-y about it. Yeah, next week you're not going to blow up or anything. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, I don't know what else you have going on in your life. But the bottom line is people who study food policy in the U.S. are very concerned about soda consumption. And it's understandable that we are because in order, order to burn off and moving out of the diet realm for a moment, in order to burn off the 250 calories in your standard, and this is now standard, yeah. <laughs> uh, 20-ounce bottle of non-diet soda, usually the, the standard way back in the day was 6.5 ounces. Yeah, with, the tiny little Coca-Cola bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just can't control ourselves anymore. That's why we have to have 100-calorie snack packs. And as a result, for that 20 ounces, a 135-pound person would have to walk Three miles in 45 minutes. Fast. That's that's pretty much how fast I run. <laughs> they would need to play basketball for 40 minutes vigorously or bike vigorously for 22 minutes. And this is from the Center for Science in the Public Interest. So, and again, we know that soda, especially regular soda, not so great for us. We have their additional calories, but it does add up. And it seems to be more dangerous, not only for our waistlines, but also for women in particular and our bones. Osteoporosis has been linked to soda intake, but that might have to do more with choices. If you are drinking a Coke, you might not be drinking that glass of milk. Exactly. Uh, WebMD quotes osteoporosis expert Robert Heaney. Uh, he says, when you look at the ingredients of soda and give those to healthy people and measure what it does to their calcium composition, nothing happens at all. So there is an issue of picking the right drinks. If you're going to be, you know, sucking down liquid all day, make sure it's, it's the right stuff. But Tufts University researchers found that women who drank three or more cola-based sodas, not like clear stuff, but cola-based sodas a day, had almost 4% lower bone mineral density in the hip, even though researchers controlled for calcium and vitamin D intake. And that might have to do with high levels of phosphoric acid in those cola-based sodas that mm-hmm. start eating away at your bones. That's, 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 that's an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> Cola is so violent. Uh, and then there's caffeine, which can interfere with calcium absorption, not to mention it's addictive. And I'm just going to ignore that because I like coffee. Right. So coffee's not bad, right? Yeah, we're not talking right? about coffee today. Right? No. <laughs> it's just soda. But WebMD recommends whether you're a man or a woman, 
cutting out a can of two or cola from your diet and replacing them with milk or fortified beverages. Try taking a calcium and vitamin D supplement and get enough weight-bearing resistance exercise. But one good rule of thumb from the Harvard School of Public Health is that at least half your daily fluid should come from water. Yes, absolutely. Stay hydrated. It It does wonderful things for you. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be water, but... Learn to love water. Yeah, if I had just been told that as a freshman in college. (laughs) It's the perfect beverage. It is. So even though we know that soft drinks are not the best things for us, consumption has escalated so much in recent decades. Yeah, it's actually risen pretty dramatically since the 1940s, especially back when they had those six and a half ounce, tiny, petite, adorable Coca-Cola bottles. Uh, and it's more than doubled since the 1970s. Soft drinks now account for more than one out of every four beverages consumed in the U.S. And that's from uh, Michael Jacobson, who's the director of the Center for Science in the Public Interest. And he also points out that carbonated soft drinks are the single biggest source of calories in the American diet. That's crazy. That's crazy. People eat a sandwich. <laughs> Have that be your calories. Put it in a blender. Yeah, I don't understand. It, I Especially after reading a bunch of this stuff, it's crazy to watch people just drink Coke all day. Or, I'm sorry, drink a carbonated... Cola, cola beverage all day. But teenagers get even more of their calories than just that 7% average. They get 13% of their calories from carbonated and non-carbonated soft drinks. Kids Um, in their video games. Although sales have declined slightly in uh, the past couple of years, it reached a high of 56.1 gallons per person in 1998 uh, and has gone down to a high of... Uh, 52.4. So what is that? Four gallons less per person in 2004. Yeah, and they said that, I mean, you can shock some of that decline up to people being more aware of what they put in their bodies, but... And I, I think people are still pretty addicted to their to their carbonated beverages, especially guys, men mm-hmm. out there, young and old. You are d- guzzling soda pop. A quarter <laughs> of thirteen to eighteen year old male soda drinkers drink two and a half or more cans per day, and one out of twenty drinks five cans or more. And across the board, CNN reports that three percent of, and this is diet soda drinkers in particular, drink at least four per day. Hmm. Sneak some water in there. Come on. I just think of every time I drink a, a coffee or a or a cola that I need to drink a glass of water to make up for the dehydration. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you uh, drink beer. Exactly. That is exactly what I do. Um, and I why I wonder why girls drink less soda, soft drinks. Do you think it's just that people know that it's unhealthy and maybe girls are more focused on like, oh, I don't want to. I, I definitely think it's because we are more aware of the potential for the weight gain, which is why diet sodas are so often marketed toward women. And here's a fun fact about diet soda. The first diet soda manufactured in the U.S., it was not Tab. <laughs> no, it was Diet Right in 1958. Um, and my dad drinks. Really? Hi, Dad. Yeah. Uh, what does it taste like? I stay away from it. Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't drink anything with the word diet on it. Well, your father is an exception mm-hmm. to the rule in the beverage industry because supposedly this was according to an unnamed Coke executive uh, talking to the Atlanta Journal Constitution saying that diet is a four letter word when it comes to men that they are marketing toward, which is why we have something called Coke Zero. Exactly. It's just Diet Coke. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe the formula is not exactly the same. It tastes a little different. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's in a black can with silver lettering, and it's Coke Zero, not Diet Coke, because the word diet, all these people are saying in the industry, sets off alarm bells in men's heads that it's a lady drink mm-hmm. and not something macho enough for them. Now, I could find no no studies or data to... To back that up, I might not have searched deep enough, but anecdotally, guys, I haven't met a guy who's been like, oh, Diet Coke's a sissy drink. (laughs) I have not either. And my father would definitely say that that's not true. Um, And I'm sure some of you have seen the ad campaign for Dr. Pepper 10, which made me like set my dinner down (laughs) as I was eating in front of the television the first time I saw it. Because I just wanted to say, really? Really? And and for those of you who aren't familiar, it's this guy uh, riding through the jungle, shooting at people in his ATV or his Jeep or whatever it is. And, and he's holding a Dr. Pepper tin and he's like, this is not for women. You can keep your romance novels or whatever he says. Yeah, the ad campaign has ruffled some feathers, probably intentionally so because they are so overtly anti-woman. <laughs> Um, and it's, you know, it's not diet. It's got 10 calories. I don't, why didn't they yeah, just take ten out the 10? Manly, manly <laughs> calories. And according to USA Today, these ads, these, this onslaught of, of soda ads come at a time when overall sales in the 74 billion soft drink industry are slowing. Like we said, maybe more Americans are becoming more aware of, of, healthy things to put in their bodies. Uh, More people are picking options like juice and bottled water. And volume of soft drinks has fallen from slightly more than 10 billion cases in 2005 to 9.4 billion cases in 2010, according to Beverage Digest data. But let's face it, that's still a lot of soda. That's a lot of soda. Well, perhaps women will be leading the pack in this drop in soda consumption. Maybe we'll continue to drive that statistics slowly down. It's not to say that that soda is this horrible poison like cigarettes and alcohol, um, but we nevertheless drink less, and so maybe we will influence other people to do that. Yeah. um, You know, we gave the stats for for 13 to 18-year-old boys, uh, and a quarter of 13 to 18-year-old female soda drinkers drink two or more cans per day, and one out of 20 drinks three cans or more. So that's not quite as high as the one out of 20 boys who drinks five cans or more. Mm-hmm. And women in their 20s, it's, it's slightly higher. We drink two 12-ounce sodas per day on average. I try to I try to limit it. I, I, I really stick to coffee, and only when it gets later in the afternoon, I don't want a huge dose of caffeine from coffee, will mm-hmm. I drink a cola. Yeah, because keeping in mind, the American Heart Association recommends a consumption goal of fewer than three 12-ounce cans of carbonated cola per week. So we're still even... bad news to a lot of people I know. Yeah, even at that average of of two cans per day. And believe me, if I don't have my cup of coffee in the morning, I I get the the caffeine headache. Yeah, I I just can't function. Mm -hmm. If you want me to have my eyes open... (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> then it's just, I have to have it. But, but cutting the soda, it's not just because of the, uh, the caffeine, but it's also everything that's going with it. Phosphoric acid. Yeah. The special formula. I don't even want to know. Aspartame tricking my brain into telling me that I'm satisfied when I'm really not. Yeah. And then you just keep going. You're insatiable. It's insatiable. Mm hmm. Uh, so something to keep an eye out for in the news will be that soda tax. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if maybe it comes up in uh, presidential debates. Who yeah, knows? the uh, this the study in health affairs they were really urging the the revenue from the tax to go towards health education uh, in schools, not just letting the revenue kind of drift off wherever into the state and local governments, but really let people know we're taxing this. You might not like it, but at least our kids are getting educated about how to be healthy. Exactly. I mean, the, 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 to me, the statistics of how much, how many soft drinks kids are consuming, kids and teens, is the most startling because that's yeah. when, you know, that's going to carry into adulthood and we need to stop it early. So. Yeah, I drink milk every night with dinner. What? Mm. What? I did that too. Was a kid. milk though. Not, not that whole stuff. I don't mess with the stuff that tastes like it just came from the cow. <laughs> Straight from the cow. So if you have any thoughts to send our way about soft drinks, and if you have any insight into the soda pop tax, send us an email. Yeah, and who's addicted out there? Yeah. Because I know plenty of people who cannot go through the day without, like, three or more. And we won't judge you. Promise. We promise. We'll just try to gently encourage you uh-huh. to switch to orange juice or something. Because I still drink. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll have a couple DCs a week. Hmm. It's true. That well, good. You're, you're right Coke. there. You're right there at that level that's that's a- approved, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, so again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we've got an email here from Wedge in response to our episode on pregnancy weight gain. She says, one thing that you did not mention in your podcast is that there is a big difference between getting back to pre-pregnancy weight and getting back to your pre-pregnancy body. Huge difference. It took me probably less than a year before I was back to my old weight, but at least 18 months for my body to feel like my old self. And by that, I mean my hips and waist and abs. I'm being generous about my abs. I have a pooch, and I don't have the time and energy to do the sit-ups to get rid of it. Oh, well. And frankly, three years later, I still don't have my pre-pregnancy body back, and I never will unless I get a boob job. However, I know I'm one of the lucky ones. I fit into my old clothes, so add some push-up bras, and that's good enough for me. Thank you. Thanks, Wedge, and thanks to everyone else who has written in. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com is the email address. And, of course, you can always find us over on our Facebook page. Leave us a note there or send us a hello on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Or you can check out the blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?